Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I think I preached here, I think I'm going to guess, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. And uh, I don't know, something like that. And, and Jared and Sue have been uh, great friends for a long, long time. We started in England, I think back in 1991. And Jared and Sue uh, started Hillsong Church back around the same time in London. And then they left, seven years later, they left. And, and we cried and we cried and we cried and we cried because, you know, just we had some great friends and built some great friendship, went over to Kiev in the Ukraine a couple of times with Natasha Bedingfield before she became a star, and uh, and we just had some great times, and then and uh, and we've never we've never uh, recovered from Jared and Sue leaving us in the United Kingdom. <laughs> but it was, it, and they pioneered an extraordinary church there. And, uh, and we did actually feel a bit bereft, you know, because once you've got some partners in crime when they do leave, but they obviously left to bless you here in Perth, and uh, it's been a mighty call of God for them, and I just congratulate you on your faithfulness, your endurance, your faith, the upness of everything here is just extraordinary, and also for, for producing Jordan. I want to take him back in my little Gucci bag, you know, just back to the Gold Coast, because I want Jordan. And I'm going to try and do everything I can within my powers of manipulation to get Jordan uh, to the Gold Coast. It's a great place, the Gold Coast. You ever been there, Jordan? Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant place. Oh, my goodness. See, I preached in a place called Portsmouth um, a number of years ago. You know Andy Elms in Portsmouth. And it was a conference. And I did the first session. And after the first session, I went to the, uh, the toilet. And because uh, I get stage fright, I went into the cubicle. And... Uh, and a couple of guys came in to, to um, go to the toilet at the urinal, right? And, and they were talking to each other, and they, were, they talk, started talking about me. And so I got my phone out, and, I, and I, I don't know where audio record is, so I just pressed video record, make sure it was against the wall, right? <laughs> and, uh, and they said, yeah, Dave, yeah, yeah, it's, it, the session was good. You know, he's a funny guy. And the guy said, he's funny. I got a lot out of it. The other guy said, I got a lot out of it. And then the other guy says, yeah, but don't you think, right? that he's too old to be wearing skinny jeans. And the other guy said, yeah, I think Miles too old. You know? <laughs> and then the hair dry went off, and that was the end, of the end of that ride. And so I came out for the second session. I said, I'd like to play a recording. <laughs> and I said, who are these two guys? They're so embarrassed that no one came forward, you know. So I'm just saying that for you guys, that afterwards, if I am, I might be in the cubicle, right? So say, <laughs> so say nice things, all right? There's a guy, there's a guy in the UK, and uh, he's called, because he's, like he's like, you know, some people are famous, but not famous. And uh, he's done some podcasts with a guy called Freddie Flintoff, who's a famous cricket player. But no one quite knows his name, and so they call him the ping pong guy. And everyone kind of, they kind of know the ping pong guy, but they don't quite know exactly who he is. And uh, he wrote a fairly successful book called Bounce. And his name is, is Matthew Syad. And, uh, and he became three times Commonwealth Games champion in table tennis. 
which is strange for someone from Britain, right? And, uh, and, but, but he was kind of like at the top of, as, as far as he was going to go in table tennis, but he thought he'd write a book on it. And, uh, and so, he, so he decided to, to write this book, and he thought, what I'm going to do is do the first couple of chapters, uh, just like a, a, good, a good art piece, you start with a fairly dark background, and he said, listen, I had, there was no favoritism, no nepotism, I came from a very ordinary family, a very ordinary background. He thought, I'll start with that, you know, so people will think I'm a genius, right? And, uh, and then, I'll just, then I'll do the rest of the chapters through sheer talent, through grit and determination, I became a superstar, even though no one remembers my name. And, uh, and so he thought, that's the way I'm going to write it, right? And, uh, and then he realized, like he knew all along, right, that if he was to write a book like that, he'd be lying. Because he realized that he was actually a, a custodian of some very unusual circumstances that enhanced his career to become a star in table tennis. And this is, this, is, this is what he eventually came up with. And eventually, this is the basis of his book. And, uh, and this number one, when he was eight years of age, his parents bought a full-size tournament table tennis table. <laughs> he still doesn't know why they bought a full-sized one, you know. You, you know let's start with a mini one. Number two, his parents had a house in England with a garage that could fit a full-size table tennis tournament table. It's impossible in Britain. And number three had a brother, only slightly older, whom he spent hours and hours dueling and crushing and being crushed by. But not a brother five years older, because he wouldn't be interested in playing table tennis with his junior brother, but just a couple of years older. Number four, his sports teacher in his local primary school, Mr. Charters, was the nation's top coach in table tennis. <laughs> Can you see how he felt guilty that he was about to write a whole pack of lies? And number five, the table tennis club near his house was open 24 hours a day. <laughs> they lived at 119 Silverdale Road. And Matt's brother went on to win three national junior titles. At 274 Silverdale Road, Karen Witt also won Commonwealth gold. And 149 Silverdale Road, Andy Wellman was a hugely successful, successful doubles player. At the bottom of Silverdale Road, Paul Trott uh, was the leading junior. Around the corner of Silverdale Road, Jimmy Stokes was English junior champion. Alison Gordon was four times English senior champion. Soon Collier was England school's champion. There's more stars in table tennis in Silverdale Road in England than in any other road, or even in the rest of the country, including Scotland. And he realized it wasn't actually talent. It was circumstance. And if you play circumstance correctly, then every wall becomes a door. A door of opportunity. But we live in a culture that's starstruck with the cult of talent. And yet very few people make it big purely through talent but they make it big because they're a custodian of an unusual set of circumstances. There's a lot of just people that sing better than Justin Bieber in the world. 
Can I hear an amen? <laughs> and yet through an unusual circumstance, Usher got hold of him and signed him to Def Jam Records. Even this potentially faster people in the world than Usain Bolt. It's just that if you know the story, Usain Bolt was born in Jamaica. And when you're born in Jamaica, you're born onto a running track. It's just there that so many running stars, it's disproportionate, have come from Jamaica. And I want to say to you today that everyone here is a custodian of an unusual set of divine circumstances. Your age, your background, your ability, your disability, your advantages, your disadvantages have all placed you on Silverdale Road. You're staring at a football field thinking, I wish that I was living in Old Trafford. Or on a bridge called Stamford Bridge. But you're not living on a bridge. You're living on a street called Silverdale Road. It's your unique set of divine circumstances. You're a custodian of a permutation of circumstances that nobody else has in the world. And if you could turn that into opportunity through changing the way you think about it, then you can achieve everything for which God has brought you on to the planet. Uh -huh. It's worth clapping that. You know, let me give some corny examples. Virgin Atlantic, everyone thinks, well, Richard Branson started that big. It was crossing the Atlantic. Yet it wasn't. It's because, it's because a plane canceled on him. A small, tiny plane canceled on him at Puerto Rico, flying across to the British Virgin Islands. He's thinking, what am I going to do? So he thought, I'll just have to hire another small plane and charge 35 bucks to everyone else to board the plane. So what is he? Is he a massive billionaire or is he a custodian of an airline that pulled out on him? But his custodianship turned into opportunityship. That's the only difference between people who in a way make it and people that don't. If you know about British politics, Tony Blair became prime minister not because of his oratory schools, it's because the previous leader died of a heart attack. We love the Queen of England, but she's only there because her uncle abdicated. You see, see we live in the cult of talent. We think everybody's there because they're geniuses. No, 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 no. They're there because they live on a Silverdale Road. And each one of you lives on a Silverdale Road. Joseph lived on Silverdale Road. What was it? Persecuted by his brothers. It's the start of the road. 
shoved into a pit. It's 100 yards along the road. Sold as a slave, brought to Egypt, working for Potiphar. Gets rejected by temptress as Potiphar's wife. Ends up being in a prison under the palace. Ends up interpreting the dreams of a butler and a baker while his own dreams lay totally unfulfilled. Ends up being forgotten about for two years. Then ends up being exalted to become second highest in the land. All he did was own it. And curl up in a fetal position. I'm not talking about grand circumstances here. I'm talking about Silverdale. It's not Golddale, but then it's not Tyndale. <laughs> Moving on. This is what Ecclesiastes 9, 11 says about this. It says it better than I've said it. It says, the race isn't to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to us all. In other words, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, written by Solomon, it's not talent. It's not intelligence. It's not wisdom. It's not brilliance that sets you apart. It's ownership. These people maximized their circumstances. And in Matthew 25, we haven't got time for the story, but this rich man gives five segments of finance to one of his servants, two segments of finance. I'm trying not to use the word talent here. You can see what I'm doing. One segment of finance to the third of his servants. And he said, you invest it. And he went away. And when he came back, it turned out to be a different topography it, instead of five two one they'd all invested and the one who had five invested now he had five more etc so now it was ten four one the person with one did nothing with it because he despised the day of small beginnings it's one of the greatest curses upon your life everything starts small there's nothing in your life that doesn't start small This tourist bus went to a small town in America and this guy's sitting on the bench and they said, were any great men born here? He said, no, only babies. <laughs> and because the one who did nothing with the one, because he was despising smallness, it was given to the one who had five who's now got ten. And so the topography now is 11 for zero. And it had nothing to do with talent. It had to do with what they did with what they had. And the catchphrase that is famous from that parable is from Matthew 25, 23. When the owner comes back, he says, well done, good and talented servant. Good and highly intellectual servant. Good and highly brilliant servant. He said, well done, good and faithful. 
Faithful to what he'd been given, not what he hadn't been given, what he'd been given. He was faithful to his Silverdale Road. And he said, because you've been faithful with a little, I'm going to make you ruler of a lot. That's what he said. Life isn't a matter of what you've got. Life is a matter of what you do with what you've got. It's not what you believe that counts. It's what you think about what you believe that counts. Now, I'm, I'm really bad at painting, right? But I've done a little bit of painting. I've got zero talent at painting, but I have got confidence. <laughs> and I thought I moved into a house. It was kind of like the first new house we'd moved into in, in, in Britain. And I thought, this house needs better paintings than Ikea. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone's got the same Ikea. That's Ikea, that, that Picasso copy. That's Ikea. I've seen that. We've got that as well. It's in our bathroom. It's in your lounge room, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I thought I'm going to go down to the new, when they stretch canvases, just paints, and I bought myself some, I thought it needs oil paints. But I can't afford to buy oil I'll do it myself. So I've got some cams, got some cadmium red, right? I forgot to buy a paintbrush, just squirted it on. And my wife came down after about a minute. She said, Dave, she said, I'm going to call you Michelangelo. I said, don't go any further. Don't ruin it. I did 40 paintings in a week. Even that's lying. In about a day, maybe half a day. I don't have 40 walls. So I started selling them. And I think the ultimate, the ultimate, and I was really selling confidence here, right? Because ultimately I thought, I'm going to do one that just has a dot on it. <laughs> and another that has a drip on it. I'm going to see how that goes. It took me longer to sign my name. <laughs> now, before you say I'm ripping people off, it was their choice to buy them. <laughs> no, no, listen, listen, I, there was no manipulation here. Everyone kept saying a child could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't, don't put any condemnation on me when they bought both of them for $800. Don't, don't condemn me. Don't condemn me. I didn't, I didn't make them. I wasn't even in the room. What they were purchasing is confidence. Because you would never do that. I thought, how could I do that? It breaks every rule. Yeah, but I got paid for breaking the rules. Now, the only difference between me and, and a quarter of the room here who can paint is my paint tin is open. Yours is closed. What's closed it? Perfectionism? Downsizing small beginnings? a lack of personal confidence and not realizing that the race isn't to the talented. Time and chance happens to us all. And those people who make it are those who open their paint box and leave it open in autumn, spring, summer, and winter. You are a custodian of an unusual set of divine circumstances. 
Secondly, if you're writing this down, they saw opportunity in adversity. Maximizing opportunity isn't just owning the wind that's for you, but owning the wind that's against you. When Steve Jobs was sacked from Apple, he looked for opportunity. He met up with George Lucas from Star Wars fame and bought, because it was up for sale, the computer graphics division from Lucasfilm. And he bought it for $10 million. And after nine years, uh, he changed the name, called it Pixar, if you've heard of it. And then after nine years, created Toy Story. Can we say a big amen? <laughs> Can I hear it? And then 11 years after that, sold it for $7.4 billion. It's just the crucial thing is what happens when you're sacked. Do you add that to be a part of your unique set of divine circumstances? Or do you just call it a unique set of hellish circumstances? Because you've got a God who turns, when that hits the fan, you've got a God who scrapes it off the fan and turns it into fertilizer. Thank you. <laughs> you got a God who impregnates everything with Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God and accord to, according to his circumstances. In 1919, there's a town called Enterprise in America, in Alabama, and they, they erected a statue in 1919 to a weevil. So when you drive into in the city, there's a big weevil on the left, right? Just an ugly creature, right? And, uh, and below the weevil, it says this, in profound appreciation of the ball weevil for what it has done to herald our prosperity. And apparently that they used to grow cotton, right? And they were doing quite well growing cotton until the ball weevil came along and ate up their cotton crop. So now they're in big trouble thinking, what are we going to do? Now we're going to end up in complete adversity, end up in complete poverty. And some guy comes along and says, let's plant peanuts. They changed from cotton to peanuts, and it was the birth of multi-millionaires coming to the forefront in Enterprise, Alabama. And instead of putting a statue up to talent or a statue up of a peanut, <laughs> they put a statue up of a weevil. And there are some weevils in your world. Come on, I'm working there now, Jared. There's some weevils in your world that you need to, in one way, get some lipstick out and put a smile on it. Because what you think is working against you is actually, can I say this? It's a divine circumstance. It's a divine, it's actually working for you, not against you. It's working for you, not against you. God's not the author of storms. God doesn't create storms. But God uses storms to get the boat from one place to another place. That's our God. That's why it's a unique set of divine. It's divine. It's a divine circumstance. And that's how Joseph became incredibly successful. He saw what was against him was actually for him. So he was faithful to Potiphar. He was faithful in the jail. He was faithful to the butler and the baker. He was faithful after being forgotten to Pharaoh. 
what you do with your circumstances depends whether they remain a wall or become a door. Number three, they upsized their circumstances. They didn't downsize their circumstances. This is what Steve Jobs said after he was sacked. They're great words. He wrote, the heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again. He said, it freed me up so I could enter the most creative period of my life. He created Toy Story, A Bug's Life. Loved A Bug's Life. Monsters, Inc. Take it, leave it. Finding Nemo. People loved Finding Nemo. The Incredibles. I enjoyed The Incredibles. Cars. Never saw it. Is it good? Up. We loved Up. Those balloons. We all wanted to do that, didn't we, when we were younger. Then Toy Story 2. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 4, not so good. I'll finish this message in a, in a weird way. <laughs> and just say that, that it's, not, it's not too late to maximize your God-given opportunities. I just, I just think that one of the things is that we think we're, we're, we're too old. We've missed it. We've blown it. We, we never worked it. We never worked the soil. We never off the fan. And, and on the other side, we sort of think, well, it's not our time to work it. We'll just become victims of our circumstance. I'll just say this. You haven't actually missed it. Not one of you in this room has missed it. That today, every one of you is a custodian of uniqueness. And my desire is that you'd work it. My desire is that you'd own it, that you'd own it. My desire is that Jesus Christ would say to you, as he said to two out of the three servants, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. You haven't missed it, and you're not too young. At 13, Michelangelo started his apprenticeship in sculpturing. And at 13, Mozart got a knighthood from the Pope. At 17, Henry VIII became king. At 18, Tutankhamun died after having ruled Egypt for nine years. At 20, Bob Dylan released his first album. At 27, Walt Disney created Mickey Mouse. At 28, Colonel Gaddafi took hold of Libya. At 34, Florence Nightingale started the modern-day nursing movement. At 39, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. At 43, JFK became president at At 62, Walt Disney produced Mary Poppins. And at 76, Winston Churchill became Prime Minister of Great Britain for the second time running. It's not too late. It's just the devil. Time and chance happens to all of us. You can back away out of despising smallness, out of not distinguishing the fact that adversity is actually for you, not against you. 
And you can hide in a corner and play the victim. Or you can rise up into the greatest period of creativity and adventure and liberty and life that you could ever experience. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.